Where does the book of Numbers start in history? Yeah, the beginning of the second year. Um, and at the end of the first year, what did they do? This is at the end of the book of Exodus. They set up the tabernacle. And that's exactly where the book of Numbers starts, with setting up the tabernacle. Which we did that last time. And um, where does the book of Numbers end? Yeah, yeah, right, right at the um, edge of the Jordan River, just east. Um, this outline divides it into uh, the book into three sections. First of all, the preparations for the march from Sinai, which will finish up that that section this morning. Then the history of the wanderings of Israel, which covers uh, about thirty-eight years although we don't have very many stories during 38 years. And then finally, the events uh, that occurred east of the Jordan. We're, we're going to cover the end of part one and uh, about halfway through part two uh, this morning. So um, there's a few little details that uh, God wants to take care of before they get going on their journey again. Chapter 8 covers... Um, uh, setting up the lamps and separating the Levites to um, to be dedicated to the service of God. Um, and then chapter 9 is the second time they do something. And what is that? The Passover, yes. When was the first time they did it? When they left Egypt. So... This time is sort of a first. It's the first time the, the feast has been celebrated in memory. <laughs> and of course, from this time forward, that's what it will be. Uh, what month of the year did they observe the Passover? Second. No. Second. First. First. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they, they started a new calendar and... Um, this is the first month of the calendar. Um, and interestingly enough, in this story, um, they had to come up with an exception. What's that about? Those who were unclean or out of town at the time. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't think they were out of town this time, well, were they? Yeah, there could be various reasons why you might not be able to... Uh, to keep the um, the Passover at a point of time, and in this case, there were some guys who were unclean. Why? Yeah, somebody probably in their family had died, and if you touch a dead body, then you're unclean. And if you're unclean, you can't do what? You can't offer sacrifices, and and, and the Passover, of course, was a major sacrifice. So, and. You can't just take the Passover any old time. It, it's specifically on the 14th day of the first month. So if that day comes along and you're unclean, too bad. So they asked God, and what did God say for them to do? Yeah, wait, wait a month. Do it at the same day, second month, in the same manner. 
Um, so I'm sure they were happy about that provision. Um, then, as we continue, this is Numbers chapter 9. In um, the second half of the chapter, uh, it discusses the guidance through the wilderness. Now, of course, we already had this in the book of Exodus, but this is just more reminder that uh, how did they know when it was time to move on? Cloud lifted up. And um, how'd they know when it was time to stop marching? The cloud stopped. <laughs> cloud stopped. And when the cloud stopped, how did they know how long they were going to be camped there? They didn't. <laughs> they didn't know. <laughs> yeah, how would you like that kind of a life? It's exciting. Um, People are surprises. <laughs> I mean, imagine when you... Uh, you know, you set up your tent, you don't know if you're going to be there for just overnight or months or years. I mean, you just don't know. Um, so they were, be- they were being guided by God. They were, they were walking by faith. Just whatever, wherever God said to go, that's where they went. When He said to stop, that's when they stopped. And then in chapter 10, the first part of the chapter, they, they set aside some special instruments to help them know when it was time to head out. And what was that? Silver. Yeah, silver trumpets. And they had different signals for, um, for different, different uh, things they were supposed to do. Primarily, um, when it was time to set out. I mean, when the cloud moved, they knew that was time to go, but the trumpets would signal when, when it was time for their specific camp to move. And then they also had an alarm when it was time to have a, a, an assembly, gather everybody together, or if there was a war, they had another signal for that. And then, chapter 10, verse 11, now in the second year, in the second month, on the, on the 20th of the month, the cloud was lifted from over the tabernacle of the testimony. Now how long, how long have they been in this particular campsite? Um, I wouldn't say more. Uh, it's been a little bit more than a year since they left Egypt, but of course it took them several weeks. Yeah, it took them a few weeks to get from Egypt to Mount Sinai. In fact, you, you can. The way I think of it, they got the Ten Commandments approximately the time of the Day of Pentecost, which was how many weeks after Passover. Seven, yeah. So, um, so they're leaving about four weeks after Passover. So they they didn't quite make a year, but long enough they they would have been pretty used to this campsite. <laughs> um, now they head out, and which tribe was the first tribe to head out? This is in chapter 10. Uh, Judah, yes. And we learned last time that they had a special arrangement for their camping. And that was also the arrangement for how they marched. Um, this, is, this is not, I'm sure this is not to scale, but it gives you an idea at least. Um, what was in the middle of their camp? Yeah, the tabernacle was in the middle. 
And again, whoever drew this didn't, I mean, they should have put the tabernacle up there and the most holy place should have been square. And a few issues with the ark, but I couldn't have done this good. Um, so, the three tribes led by Judah are the first tribes to head out. And then what goes next? Yeah, the three tribes led by Reuben. And then one goes after that. Yeah, then the tabernacle gets moved because these three groups here from the tribe of Levi have all been busy taking down the tabernacle while these first six tribes are headed out. And by the time they're going, then it's ready for the tabernacle. They move out. And then finally we have these last two uh, two groups of tribes on the march. It was it was arranged as um, it, it was arranged orderly because this was an army. This was God's army that was uh, moving through the wilderness. <clears throat> yeah, John. And, and we see the static arrangement. Uh, the tabernacles in the middle uh, protected, and when they move out, the tabernacles in between the, the two yeah. columns protected. Yeah, it's the same position you you would you would probably expect for a, a king if the king was in camp he'd be in the middle this was God's house that was in the middle of the camp um, so then they're, they're getting ready to leave and Moses invites someone to go with them and who was that? his father-in-law and did his father-in-law want to go? No. not initially but what did Moses say that finally convinced him? Uh, <laughs> Any good thing that happens to us will. Yeah, that was the initial offer. Yeah, whatever good happens to us, we'll, we'll give you too. But even that wasn't quite enough. So he had to say something second. This is in chapter 10, verse um, verse 31. I, actually, yeah, this one was earlier. I, I've got this backwards. Uh, he, he gave him two things in a row. Verse 31, Please not leave us inasmuch as you know where we should camp in the wilderness and you will be as eyes for us. So although, actually, where did they camp in the wilderness? Yeah, wherever the cloud came down. So And, and Moses, of course, knew that. But I assume what he's talking about here is that um, he, he would be able to direct them to um, pasture land that's nearby for their flocks, he would show them where there are, there's wells, you know, where they could get water, um, so that the um, you know the cloud says, you know, this is where you where you camp, but there's still um, there's there's things they have to exercise some, some judgment in. Chapter eleven. This is this gets into some interesting stories here. What do the people do? Yeah, they complain. Is that a first in our story? I don't think so. <laughs> That's kind of regular. But there is a first here, I think. Now, someone may be able to find an example that contradicts this, but I think this is the first time the Lord punished them for complaining. Um, let me read verse 1. Now, the people became like those who complain of adversity in the hearing of the Lord. And when the Lord heard it, His anger was kindled, and the fire of the Lord burned among them and consumed some of the outskirts of the camp. And the people, of course, understood why this was happening. So the people therefore cried out to Moses, and Moses prayed to the Lord, and the fire died out. So, 
I think this is the very first time in our stories of Exodus, Leviticus, and Numbers where God has punished the people for complaining. It's not the first time He's punished them. Um, I don't know what the first was, but certainly we think of the when they made the golden calf, they got punished. I don't know. Can you can anyone think of a time when He punished them before this for complaining? I tried to think, and I just couldn't. I mean, I know they've complained before this. Yeah. They complained when they didn't have water. I mean, that, they complained when they didn't have food. Did they complain just before the part of the sea? Well, I, you, we, you could call it that. Um, I don't know if the Bible calls it that, but they did. Um, they told Moses, you know, why did you have to bring us out here to die? You know, it, yeah, they did certainly complain at that point. Yeah, and then when Pharaoh made it rougher on them, yeah, we told you, just leave us alone. <laughs> so, yeah. But it seems like the previous complaints have to do with actual problems, whereas here it's more like those who complain of adversity, but there is no adversity at this point, nothing like what they dealt with before. So there are fed, there are water, and so on. They are taken care of. Well, yeah, that's a valid point. Um, possibly, um, possibly they were in a, a pretty rough area. Um, it, it, we don't know exactly where they. I mean, we, we we obviously don't know the exact route they took, but the northern part of that Sinai Peninsula, as you approach the um, the land of Palestine becomes a a worse desert than anything they've been in the, thus far. And so that may have been the adversity. It doesn't really say here. So, yeah, so one aspect is um, that Nadia is suggesting is that they are complaining when they don't have as much reason to complain. Um, can anyone think of any other reason why the Lord might have punished them this time when He didn't in the past? Yes, that's exactly right. They've had a revelation of the law. God is now in their midst with the tabernacle. And you may even remember when when God was so angry when they made the golden calf, He told Moses He wasn't going to go with them anymore because if He did, what would happen? He would destroy them because God cannot be around sin. And so they've had a number of of warnings. Beyond that, they're kind of, they've been on probation ever since they made the golden calf. And they're not doing so hot on probation. <laughs> this is not the way to behave for a holy people that's, that's around God. And yet, this is not the last time. Here they complain, they get the fire, and then Immediately we read of another thing. What's the next thing that happens here? This is Numbers 11. Complaining about the diet. Yeah, complaining about the food. Um, And of course, we we look from our perspective. We look at it. We say, "You people have no idea. You've got 39 years of this to go." How long have they been eating this food at this point? A 
Yeah, a year. They've had, they've been going on on a year. They've been eating it for a year. And uh, was it good food? This manna. Well, it was excellent food. It was pretty much a vegetarian diet. <laughs> um, Tasted good. Yeah. You could prepare it in a number of different ways. Yes, and and that's the point. Verses seven through nine here, it, it's giving us the description of manna. We already had the description of manna. It's giving it us again to where to help the reader to judge whether they were right to complain. And you know. It's you know you can you can you can boil it you can make cakes with it you can grind it you can beat it all kinds of things you can do with it, the this this wonderful manna um, how many of us would like to sign up for a year of <laughs> a manna only diet <laughs> you know I. These stories are written for us. <laughs> and complaining is not something that most of us f- consider a serious sin. I mean, if you want to list serious sins, you know, we think about like murder and 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 fornication and and you know, that kind of stuff. But complaining that's just kind of like breathing. <laughs> Uh, and yet this is what God thinks of it Um, the food they were complaining about where did they get that food? directly from God every morning He gives them this food six days a week Um, wow but they're tired of it we want something else well does God know if they need something else? He created them. He knows what their needs are. And how often do we get ourselves in situations where, you know, I'm just so tired of this. I've done this over and over and over. I'm just tired of doing this. And we're in the same situation. God is the one who's made our situation for us. God has created us. He knows what we need. He knows what our situation is. And we need to think about the Israelites when we... Think about complaining, yeah, John. And the other thing is, at this point, they're assuming they're on their way to the promised land. This is something that's going to happen in the near future. Yeah, it's very temporary. Yeah. yeah. So they should be looking forward. Yeah. I mean, how long? Do you, how long are they going to have to put up with this? You know, just a few more weeks, and it'll be over. Um, and and we, all of us, if we're not going through something, we think, oh, you know, we can handle almost anything for a few weeks. And it is amazing. You get into those few weeks and you discover that your attitude is a lot different. Um, And it's also different when you don't know when it's going to end. Um, I can certainly look back on things in my life that at the time it seemed like this was never going to end and then suddenly, just like that, it was at an end. I could not have predicted, but it was. And... The same thing would have been true with these people if they hadn't complained and if they had learned to have faith in God. It would have just been, wow, suddenly over. But we, we really, you know, when, when, when things are bad, we, we just look at the now and we, and we just like the Israelites. Yeah, Daniel? It's also interesting that 
it's easy for people to become nostalgic about things that they complained about at the time. So, with it, so there, there are a couple of examples of this in this passage. The first one is obviously where the Israelites look back on the time in Egypt and remember all this food there, and that's what they focused on. The other interesting thing is that in the book of John, the people, while not exactly complaining, were giving strong suggestions to Jesus that he should start giving them manna every day. <laughs> so these were people that were in the promised land, although it was under different rulers, which is kind of a little bit different. But still, they were in the promised land, eating a variety of things. But what they wanted was free food. food. <laughs> yeah, they would take bread. Um, not even manna, in fact. It was ordinary bread every day. Yeah. Yeah, and it's free food. It's um, <laughs> but you 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 are very right. When when we look back on things, well, we look on them as very different than what they were at the time. <laughs> I mean, you think about you know a mother with her little little toddlers around, and life is really rough for a woman in that situation. And yet, twenty years later, what does she look back on with nostalgia? <laughs> <laughs> the time when she had those little toddlers around, they were so cute. <laughs> oh, yeah, these people are very human. One more thing I want to notice about the story, though: who was it that started this complaining? The rabble. Who's the rabble? Those were the the mixed group that the Hebrews left, and other perhaps. Well, people who not yeah, when they when these slaves left Egypt, there are a bunch of other slaves that joined them. They're called the mixed multitude, and uh, some of them, either before or after, would have kind of gotten mixed in with the Hebrews, intermarriage and all. Um, but there were a lot of people that there by race they really weren't Hebrews, and they they did not have the traditions of the Hebrews, the promises of the promised land, and the and the, the worship of the one true God, and. They were going along for the ride, and and they were a, a constant danger to the Israelites that they were with, uh, with their lack of spiritual appreciation. They were ready to start this complaining, and then the Israelites picked it up. Um, we we tend to pick up things that are going on around us, and it got so bad that what was Moses' view at this point? Yeah, let me just die. Or just take me now. This is the way it's going to be. And so God did two things to solve Moses' problem. The first one we actually had before. It was a suggestion from Moses' father-in-law. And what was that? Get him some help. In this case, how many people were going to help him? Seventy. Seventy, yes. And, and God took some of the spirit He put on Moses and put it on them so they could prophesy. I don't think I don't think he means by that predicting the future, but it was certainly an inspired speech. Um, and then the second thing God did for to solve the problem was what? Gave him meat. Abundance. How how much of an abundance? Well, we don't want to be too graphic, but Ralph, a month. Yeah, he, uh, uh, they could eat this meat for a whole month. Yeah, the quail that came in. Wasn't a choice they had to do it, didn't they? Well, yeah, that's true too. It's um, and then the plague came, 
and God struck them with a severe plague. That was His judgment on them for their complaining. But we're not done with complaining. In fact, chapter 12 begins, I think this is another first. It's not the last, but I think it's another first in our stories. Um, I think this is the first time that, that Moses' leadership has been challenged so directly that, um, you know, you're not the only one qualified to lead these people was, to, was what was being thrown in his face. And who were the ones who were doing it? His only own brother and sister. And Miriam was a leader. She had led the women after they crossed the Red Sea. She had led the women in this great song and dance to God. <clears throat> and Aaron, was he a leader? He's the high priest. That, that's kind of that was a trick question because he's not a, he's not just a leader. He's also a follower. <laughs> he should have been more of a leader, but and an art teacher too. <laughs> well, he. Yeah, he was, I mean, it seemed like whichever way the wind was blowing his way, he went. It was just different people have different characteristics. And he was not the leader in this. His, his sister was the one who was instigating this, as is obvious from the fact that her name's mentioned first and the fact that she's the only one that actually got punished in the in the matter. But he he participated. He he was willing to go along and you know, agree, has the Lord indeed spoken only through Moses? Has He not spoken to us as well? And He had spoken to them too. But wow, that's an awfully dangerous thing to start using a blessing from God as a way to attack someone that God has, someone else that God has blessed. Very dangerous. And, um, and this very same thing continues to happen today. Um, people don't like the leaders that God has given them. And, and I, I still see churches today that, that just have all kinds of turmoil over this. People don't like it. And so they'll attack. If you have a congregation with elders, someone decides he doesn't like following these elders, so he'll figure out why these elders aren't qualified to be elders, and he'll start gossiping about them and all this. Nothing different from what was going on back there. And... He never admits the reason he's really complaining about these people. The reason he's complaining about these people because he wants what they have. And um, it's the same sin really that um, Simon the sorcerer was committing. He was wanting to be a leader for the wrong reason. And Moses had not asked to be a leader. God is the one that picked him. And he wasn't doing it for his own glory. We've seen time and time again he was willing to put himself last. God would offer, hey, I'll make of you a great nation and I'll kill all these people. And he said, that would be terrible, God. Don't do that. I mean, he, he was... Nobody is perfect. But Moses was the leader that God had picked. And, and these people were showing their attitude by rejecting that. Um, and so what was the punishment? Weak. Yeah, of course she didn't know at the beginning that it was going to be a week. <laughs> Miriam got struck with leprosy. How long does that usually last? <laughs> yeah, it lasts till you die. And we and we'll see the stories later on in the Bible where people got leprosy, and that's exactly what happened. 
But in this case, who interceded for her? Aaron did, yeah. Um, yeah, so it was kind of a punishment on Aaron, even though it didn't happen to him. And then finally, who interceded and it worked? Yeah, Moses did. Which is, that certainly is a telling um, example of his character. That here were these people who were attacking him directly, and when they get punished, justly for what they've done, he asked God to let them off. Um, yeah, there's... Um, where are you going to find another guy like that? <laughs> Not you. It is interesting that the way Aaron talks to Moses about it, or um, do not have this sent to us, um, that he doesn't feel... Is it that he doesn't feel worthy of addressing God himself? Or... I mean, he's the high priest, and yet he doesn't address God. He addresses Moses and says, and says what he wants to be done. Yeah. Yeah, that's... Um, well, he wasn't in a very good position to address God, was he? I mean, if you think about it, we're in the same situation today. Um, how can we go to God given what we've done? And... What Jesus said is, you go to God through Jesus. And, and and that's in effect what Aaron was doing by going to God through Moses. He's also rejected Moses. Saying he's sorry. And, and, that's a, and he should have. Yes, that's right. That, that was a good... He, he, was, he was showing his, his penitence by saying that. Yeah. So God... Shorten the sentence from life down to seven days. <laughs> um, and I guess that was the last time anyone challenged Moses' authority, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah, this is, this is a pretty amazing story. <laughs> um, wow. Well, in chapter 13, 12 men did what? Yeah, they, God sent them out to spy out the land. There was one from each tribe. And how long do they spend spying it out? Forty days. Forty days. So, yeah, so which it's a big land. It took them a while. And they had to be careful because if, if the people had realized where they were coming from, they would have been you know, dead meat. So, um, but they, God took care of them. They came back. They brought, what did they bring back with them? A big bunch of grapes that they put on a pole between two guys. Uh, it, just to illustrate, this is a great land. Which, of course, after you've been in the wilderness for a year, this, this would look wow. And um, only one problem, what was that? <laughs> yeah, big people. If warriors, walled cities, just... We can't take it. Except, who said they could? Yeah, Caleb did. He doesn't mention, but there was one other. Joshua, yeah. Um, and I assume the reason why he doesn't emphasize Joshua is because he was Moses' servant, and everyone would say, ah, that's just Moses talking. You know, we, we know him. But Caleb, well, he wasn't even from Moses' tribe, so... Um, actually, Joshua wasn't either. But um, Caleb gave a... a 
a, a stirring speech about faith, um, God will give it to us. And um, but they said it's a land that devours its inhabitants in verse thirty-two, and, and I think they're talking more the, about more than just conquering the land. I think their attitude is even if we conquer the land, we're still going to get devoured. I mean, there's just all these enemies all around. We're just going to be, um, you know, ground up between the jaws of these huge peoples around. And so in chapter 14, what do the people decide to do? Go back to Egypt. Go back to Egypt. <laughs> oh, man. It's always go back to what you know. And, and, and how many times have we seen that? I mean, spiritually. We see someone who's deep in sin and, and they get rescued out of the sin and they become a Christian and then you get a little bit of challenge in their faith and what do they do? Right back. Right back in. And here then these people the same way. You know, we, don't have, we don't believe God can save us. We're going to go back to Egypt and be slaves again. And uh, what's God's view about that? Well, His initial view is worse than that. Yeah, He's going to wipe them out. And we have to understand that that would be just. I mean, this is not you know God just speaking in with exaggeration. That would be perfectly just because these people have seen the ten plagues. They've seen what God did to judge Egypt. They've seen the dividing of the the sea, uh, the Red Sea, and they walked through on dry land. They've seen Him provide water in the wilderness. They've seen Him provide food in the wilderness. They have ample opportunity to know that the God they serve takes care of His people. He can do anything. But they don't believe. And so, He's going to wipe them out. And Well, then how is He going to have a people? Ah, He'll make of Moses a great people. How many of us could have handled that temptation? Um, I, I can't imagine... <laughs> I mean, just a little while ago, Moses was saying, why don't you just kill me and get this over with? He's had enough trouble with these people. And God is now offering him a clean, guilt-free way out. But he's not going to take it. He's worried about what? God's reputation. Wow. I mean, that's what we're supposed to be worried about. But we know what reality often is. (laughs) But here he is, he's thinking about God, and he's thinking, God, this is not going to look good when the Egyptians hear about you taking these people out in the wilderness and wiping them out. You know, They're just going to think, what a big failure. And God listens to his his request. Yeah, John? Uh, We see a pattern. God had been silent, pretty much silent for a long time before he appeared to Moses. We see a pattern where first he made himself known to Moses, uh, than to the Hebrew people, Pharaoh, and uh, ultimately it was his intention to make himself known to all people. And uh, Moses picks up on that. That's the point. That's yeah. The, point the whole purpose of Israel was to be a, a light to the nations. That That's what God picked them out for. <coughs> and so Moses was pleading exactly what the right thing. This was God's plan 
And so God pardons the people, but that generation isn't going to go in. That generation has forfeited their chance and they're going to spend a year for each day that the spies fight out the land, wander in the wilderness for a total of how many years? Forty years. Once that generation has all died out, except for Caleb, who was faithful, and Joshua, everyone else is going to die. And only, and only the children are going to grow up and go in the land. Um, and you, while you would think, well, the whole rest of the book of Numbers now had to be on, the, on these next 38 and a half years, uh, those 38 and a half years go by like about like two chapters. <laughs> just hardly anything. Yeah, I assume they just kept eating the manna and hanging out. Well, how did the people take that? News. They don't want to wait for you. <laughs> this is the craziest story. <laughs> yeah, Ralph. Just going back a little bit. Um, what about the Levites? Well, th- th- that's a valid point. <laughs> they, they didn't send anyone in from the Levite tribe, nor were the Levites numbered. You see, the ones who were going to die were the ones who were numbered. And so it doesn't say about the Levites. Whether there were some Levites that made it, I don't know. There's no no, only Levite, there's only only two Levites um, that are prominent in the book, and that is Moses and Aaron. Neither of them got to go in the land. But there was at least one of Aaron's sons that did get to go in the land. I don't know whether he would have been old enough. My guess is he would have been old enough to be numbered, but he wasn't numbered. So, yes, you're right. Um, The Levites were the exception because they weren't in the numbering. Yeah, other questions? So then, yeah, the people suddenly it hits them like a a ton of bricks. What have we done? You know, we've blown it. God was going to give us this land, and now we've got to spend 40 years and we're all going to die. We don't want that. We're going to go in just like God wanted us to. <laughs> and what was the problem with that? It wasn't by faith. If they'd done it the day before, it would have been by faith. Today it's not by faith. God said, no, you're not going. And of course, you know, it didn't work. They got soundly defeated. But... Um, Well, we will. I I think we can see ourselves in this too. <laughs> Chapter fifteen seems a little bit of an odd one. Suddenly, we get back into laws. Here's some laws, and they are laws when you enter the land where you are to live. And I think that's why they're put here, because at this point, it looks like wow, we're never going to get in the land. But God gives us some more laws. These laws I want you to keep when you get into the land. So a reminder that yes, you are going to get in the land, even if it's just your children. And then we have one story toward the end of chapter 15. What's that? Yeah, he was gathering wood on the Sabbath day. What's wrong with that? Supposed to rest on the Sabbath day. And what happened to him as a result? 
Yeah, and I believe that it had been, I believe we'd learned earlier that it did carry the death penalty. I couldn't give you a verse. But it certainly didn't say what kind of death penalty. And now we learned it's death by stoning, which would be something that the whole congregation would inflict on this man. Um, a harsh penalty. But the law had been very, very clear. This wasn't, and it wasn't something he needed to do. Um, he just didn't want to do what God wanted him to do on the Sabbath day. And then we come to an even worse rebellion than we had before. Before we had, who were the two that rebelled against Moses? Yeah, Aaron and his sister Miriam. Who is the one who rebels this time? Exactly. Some of the leaders. In fact, how many? How many leaders? 250. 250, yeah. 250 leaders. Now, the ones who the ones who initially did it were Korah. What tribe was he from? Levi. Same tribe as Moses. What branch of the tribe? Kohath. Yes. And that's where Kohath camped out on the south side of the tabernacle. Who else were, were, were the ringleaders of this? Dathan and Abiram. Dathan and Abiram. What tribe are they from? Reuben. Now, where did they camp out? Nearby. And nearby. <laughs> yeah. So, um, that, that may explain how they knew each other, how they, how they worked this thing out and got together with this. Um, and, but once they got going, they got a lot of people in on it. 250 prominent ones. These, they, these are people that the tribes would respect. They would like these people. Um, and they're tired of the same reason Moses and Aaron were tired of, of it. Moses, you're taking too much on yourself. You, know, you think you're the only leader of this group. And, and again, they phrase it and this is, you know, anytime you get someone rebelling against the leadership God has, has, has given us, anytime you get someone rebelling against that, they always phrase it in pious terms. And, and, and that's what's going on here. It says, You have gone far enough, for all the congregation are holy. Every one of them, and the Lord is in their midst. So why do you exalt yourselves above the assembly of the Lord? He said, You know, you're no better than the rest of us. We're all holy to God. Neglecting, of course, that God had picked Moses to be that leader. And so the people were, these, these rebels were dealt with in two different ways. <clears throat> the, the 250 were told to do what? Yeah, fire pans and, and, and what were they going to offer? Incense to to God, which means where at the tabernacle. Yeah, all these. Now, of course, we know that the only ones allowed to offer the incense to God are who the priests, who are the descendants of Aaron. But there were kind of theory that everybody's holy. So, okay, if you're holy, take your incense and offer to God. But the leaders were dealt with differently. Korah, Dathan, and Abiram. And for some reason, and, and it may be because they, they refused to come when Moses invited them to offer the incense. 
because they weren't there with the other 250. They were at their tents. And they, they wouldn't come when Moses called them. So Moses went to their tents. And what did he... Of course, in, we've got God in here. He's ready to wipe out the whole congregation. And, and Moses appeals to God. But then he commands the people to do something which they had to do to show their faith. And what was that? Get away from those tents. Did they do it? They did. <laughs> and then Moses announced what was going to happen. A new thing never happened before, which is what? Earth will open up. In they go, and then it will close back up again, which is exactly what happened. So that was the end of Korah, Dathan, and Abiram. Meanwhile, back at the tabernacle, those guys are offering the incense, and what happens to them? Yeah, exactly the same thing that happened to Nadab and Abihu when they offered strange fire before God. And that solved the problem. <laughs> no, we'll have to talk about this a little bit more next week. I've run out of time and we've got another chapter and a half to go. But um, this is the amazing thing. After the 250 were killed by God, and the three with their families went down into the ground and were buried, you would think that people would have learned God wants Moses to be the leader, folks. He's, this is not, uh, you know, one for all and all for one. But the people were really mad because those 250 were people they liked. And whose fault was it they're now dead? <laughs> Moses. <laughs> All right, we'll have to work on that next week. Of course, we've got a lot of other stories. We've got about ten more chapters to go next week. It's, it's going to be a, an exciting week. <laughs> I appreciate everyone's help this morning. They did wait until the next day. <laughs> <laughs> they did wait until the next day. That's right. <laughs>